Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Ajax delivery. Gendouzi's header. And the finish of the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. And Goldberg. Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. Bonjour et bienvenue. Welcome along to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast as Lyon throw the European race wide open once again by spanking Marseille at the Velodrome. Rennes, Monaco and Nice all take advantage to close the gap while Strasbourg show their fighting spirit once more to deny Paris Saint-Germain. We'll hear from the Rennes hotshot Martin Terrier a little later in the pod. There's a preview of next weekend's Coupe de France final between Nantes and Nice, plus an Aurelien Chouamani shirt to give away in our Deja Who competition. Joining me on the pod this morning, Ian Holyman. Hello, Ian. How are you? Good morning, Matt. Very, very good. Uh, full of energy after a massive weekend of league and football. Yeah, you have had a big weekend, as we will be learning a little bit later with your commentary matches. Andy Scott is with us. A leisurely weekend for, for you, Andy. Just the one commentary. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not bad, Matt. Thanks very much. Yeah, although Ian and I were at the uh, the Parc des Princes on Saturday for the um, the Women's Champions League semi-final between Paris Saint-Germain and Lyon, which was uh, a nice change and uh, a terrific game as well. Congratulations to, to Lyon for getting through to the final. Yeah, fantastic result for for Leon, and that'll be interesting to see if they can win the Champions League again. Thank you to our listeners for um, another another busy week on the emails. Uh, Nathan Kellaway emailed us uh, League One Podcast at gmail saying thank you for another fantastic pod. It's the one pod I look forward to every week. I'm hoping that Stade Malherbe Caen, uh, who Andy Delors used to play for. Um, get promoted next year so that they can get some league gun coverage. They're currently ninth, though, in uh, in League 2. We did have an Andy Delors shirt up for grabs last week. We'll be announcing the uh, the winner a little bit later uh, in the pod. Benjamin Chetty as well. Thank you for your very kind email. David Jackson um, also wrote in. He said, oh, I think Bordeaux will do well to avoid defeat against Nice. I hope Saint-Etienne get beaten by Rennes. And I hope Brest beat Claremont. Well, David, it's been a... A good weekend for you on, on, on that front. Um, Afrizal Lukman wrote in as well. He's from Indonesia, living in Cologne, Germany. And apparently we make his Mondays more bearable and fun. He's uh, driving a lot, listening to us and uh, enjoying our take on all aspects of French football. So thank you very much to all of you. And um, we do welcome your feedback. League One Podcast at gmail.com. We welcome your your ratings and we want you to subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Let's dive into the action now. And we're going to start with uh, the Sunday night clash, the Olympico. It is always um, eagerly anticipated, keenly fought. That was the case last night, as Ian Holyman saw for us. This is going to be Emerson's free kick, though. It goes for goals off the wall, deflected. Great save, but it's forced in. Dembele and then Lukeba with the final touch. And against all odds, and against the run of play, Leon have the lead. Murray back to try and change things, but instead, it's a fabulous ball in from Gusto. And a great header from Dembele, and a second for Leon. 
Number 17 of the league season for Moussa Dembele. They've certainly managed to quieten the Stade Velodrome of Lyon. Not often you can say that, but they're going to get behind their side now. But Kambu falls over. What a chance that was. Just got his feet all entwined, did Cedric Bakambu. Now Paqueta at the opposite end. Tete, the chance for a third, it is a third. Marseille could have and should have pulled one back. Belly 30 seconds earlier. And now Carl Tokoakambi has finished off Marseille. It's Marseille nil, Leon three. Well, Ian, a result that uh, maybe we didn't see coming. Certainly, I didn't see coming. Marseille have been in cracking form. Uh, they did lose 3-2 in the first leg of their Europa Conference League semi-final against Feyenoord. But 3-0 um, at home uh, against Lyon. And uh, what's, your, what's, what's your take on it? I, I certainly was reading a lot at half-time about Marseille being a bit unlucky. Milik missing chances. Was it a case of... Marseille not, not taking advantage of their chances. Yes. Would you like me to expand? Yeah, expand on that, Ian. Come on. All right. Um, I shall then. Um, you, you did say before the pod, Matt told us before the pod listeners to keep it brief. I was just trying to comply. Um, that was that was Leon's 1,000th <laughs> league and win, actually. The fifth club to, to reach that to reach that mark. Um, Marseille should have had the game wrapped up by half time. Uh, there's, a, a, for me, a, 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 and for, certainly for a, a lot of Marseille fans as well, and probably a lot of other neutral observers, a, a huge shout for a penalty in the first half. It, it definitely hit Moussa Dembele's arm. He's sliding into block. It hits his arm. Anthony Gauthier doesn't even really go, doesn't go across to have a look at the images or anything, just gives the corner. Um, and then Milik missed two chances. Payet playing him through the first time. Didn't really get the ball under control. Sort of one of those ones where it's the lunge and it goes over the top. And then uh, there was another one where Payet again played a fabulous reverse ball. Jason played it across goal. Payet, you think he's got to score. And he somehow doesn't at the back post. And in the second half, Liam were much, much, much better. Um, and it's a flattering scoreline. It's a flattering scoreline. Leon were not 3-0 good, I have to say. Um, but but they were clinical and hats off and, and really hats off to two players who were superb for Leon. Castello Luqueba, he's 19, and Mal Augusto was unbelievable. He was unbelievable for yeah, Leon. Yeah, the, the, the two of them, the two of them are absolutely superb. Oh, I mean, they've got huge futures. Massive. I mean, Gusto's 18. 18? Um, he, he was brilliant. He sent over the cross. I, I didn't think he was going to get there. I honestly, I was saying, I, I, I mean, Harry, it's going to come down, come in and close him down, and he, he sends, he somehow gets the crossover. I don't know how he gets the crossover, and Dembele produces a fabulous header. On another note, Musa Dembele, we're not really talking about him. That 17 for the season, the league season for him, that equals his best ever in his career, which was with Celtic back in in 2016-17. So that's his best tally with Leon, wearing the captain's armband, leading the line causing all sorts of problems and a real goal threat is a really, really good header. And him and, uh, and Toko Akambi again got on the score sheet too. Uh, Toko Akambi's in double digits as well for the season. I mean, this was this world that was typical Leon. This was typical Leon. We know that in a one-off game, they can beat and match anybody. And, and that's what they did. 
Um, Andy, just a word on Moussa Dembele because he was very central to, to everything. Um, was it a penalty? Are we are, are we suggesting the arm was sort of part of a, of, of, a, of a natural movement? And more importantly, perhaps, how good is this striker? Because, you know, I find him really hard to judge because he can be frustrating. He can be kind of really invisible sometimes in matches. Um, you look at his scoring record, 49 league on goals in 103 games for Leon. I mean that that is really good uh, in terms of, you know, a league on striker. It's not an easy league to score regularly in. This season he's only started 22 games, five sub appearances, 17 goals. Um he may well be moving on in the summer, only a year left yeah. on 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 his contract, but you know how how good is this guy and why why has he not established himself more at Leon? Well, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I think it's funny because you know he was outstanding for Celtic in in a in a, a decent Celtic team that obviously got into the Champions League, and um, he he deserved his move when it came. And there was obviously at time there was talk of a move to the the English Premier League, which might be the the, the sort of more um, perceived to be the more natural step from going from Celtic to probably down to to England. But instead, he came back to France. I think probably now you're looking at the possibility of him moving to England at the end of this season. There's got to be clubs in the Premier League looking at him. Now he's finally scoring goals uh, on a more sort of regular basis. Um, it's a shame that, I mean, just I suppose just to answer, answer your question, I think that there is a lot of potential uh, left in Dembele. And I mean, you know, the, the, the competition for places in the French national team is so fierce that I can't imagine he's going to be anywhere near uh, Didier Deschamps' squad anytime soon. But I guess if he gets a move um, in in the summer and he does, for example, move to England and, and starts next season banging them in, then maybe maybe he will be in the running for a place in the France squad come the World Cup, which might be timed quite nicely for him. There's potential to come there. There's a guy who's now delivering um, at, at, at a higher level in Ligue 1 than he was in Scotland, scoring goals on that regular basis that, that, he, that he is capable of doing. As Ian says, wearing the captain's armband, which is not insignificant. Um, to answer the question about the penalty, yes, it possibly was a penalty, but you know, a, a, a lucky break in that case um, on that occasion for Lyon. And I think on on a wider point about them, you know, if they're to lose Dembele in the summer, other players likely to be on their way. They probably do really need to to, to win these last three games of the season to maybe snatch a, at least a Europa League place to stand a chance of maybe keeping hold of, of one or two of these uh, leading players come the summer, because otherwise they face another big rebuilding job. But they are infuriating, you know, this Leon yeah. side. I was quite harsh on them a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was so disappointed in their performance against West Ham. They then, well, then they put five or six goals past somebody and then they went and lost to Brest. And you just think, well, you know, where is, where is the consistency? And it's been years, well, several seasons where Leon have just not had this consistency. Um, and yes, four, if they win their last goals, three... Right? 14 goals in the last four games have scored since, since, that, since that defeat to West Ham that you talked about. Yeah. But there's a defeat in, in there, isn't there, against Brest? So, yeah, of course. But, you know, as, as you say, they've, su they've suddenly started winning games. But, I mean, the Marseille, they actually have a very good record in Marseille in, in, in recent years. And in no, a but way, that's I, it, Andy. Yeah, nothing's yeah, changed. No, I nothing's mean, changed. Because, no, no, yeah, no, they, they, yeah, they can do it in the big game, but they lost at Brest having, <laughs> well, that, you know, Olas came out. Yeah. Olas came out with all the, all the oh, we're, you're going to see, we're going to now storm to the end of the season. Peter Boss is the man and, and what have you. And then they, <laughs> and then they go and lose at Brest. Well, that, that's the thing. If you look, I mean, if you look, I know we'll probably talk, talk again about the European race because it's so tight later on. I think right now there are two points off sixth, which might be enough for a place in the Europa Conference League, depending on who wins the cup next weekend 
um, and maybe they're not dreaming of the Europa Conference League, but they're still in with a chance of European qualification. You think if they win the last three games, they can get there. You look at the fixtures they've got coming up. They've got to play Mess away, Nantes at home, Clermont away, and you think, well, they should win these games, but they probably won't because they're because they're so inconsistent. Yeah. Um, so so we'll see. We'll I think see. I think Andy, for a club like Leon, it's better not not to be in the Europa Conference League next year. I think it's better to uh, you know start start afresh, ha- play one game every week, and finish in the top three in league one. Because Le- that's what happened Leon last year. Don't, yeah, true. And they didn't finish in the top three. But Leon don't. <laughs> No, well, there's something seriously wrong. But, you know, I, I think that's a better way to sort of restart a football club that already has a lot of European experience. You know, a club like Strasbourg, even Rennes, I think, you know, any European competition is is very positive for them. But I don't know, for for, for, for Leon, I, I'm just hugely frustrated uh, with them. I, I want to bring in Strasbourg now because they were, um, they took part in perhaps the game of the weekend. Leon, so they're, they're, they're seventh on 55 points. Um, Strasbourg a sixth on 57 so Andy you're saying sixth could be good enough for a place in Europe next season if if Nice win the Coupe de France um, Strasbourg remain unbeaten at the Stade de la Meno this calendar year that didn't look like it would be the case um, after 83 minutes against PSG it finished 3-3 um, that game at, at the Meno it was an incredible atmosphere um, an incredible match and I'd like to focus a bit more on Strasbourg, we talked a lot about PSG last week and, and we have done throughout the season. Um, we didn't learn that much about PSG. They were carried by Kylian Mbappe, who scored two goals, set up another one. He was phenomenal. Um, but Strasbourg just never say die. Julian Stefan was, was full of huge praise for the mentality, the attitude of, of, of his men. And um, Ian, it's, it's, it's just brilliant to see, isn't it? To see a stadium like that, uh, a, a fan base that is just so behind its football club. We've talked in the last weeks about fan protests and what what have you. It's so positive what's happening at Strasbourg right now. Yeah, absolutely. When you think as well, when in in our sort of memory, our sort of time of, of living in France in the last 20 years, Strasbourg were down in the third division and uh, having gone bankrupt and, and they were getting 30,000 then. And... Uh, the prospect. I'm I'm fortunate enough to cover a number of European matches for UEFA, and I'm desperate for Strasbourg to get into European competition because I'm hoping, I'm hoping to be able to go there. I mean, the atmosphere at Marseille is brilliant. Uh, the atmosphere at Lens is brilliant. It'd be fabulous if they got into European competition or Saint Etienne as well. But Strasbourg is, is is just on another level. It's just on another level, and they're so loyal. They they they're so passionate, and um, yeah, it was a it was a Fabulous game, a, f- a fabulous advert for French football, as they say on, on Friday evening. Really exciting. Um, I think what's key about Strasbourg is obviously Julien Stefan did, did well at, at Rennes. And and maybe we thought, well, he can only really do it at Rennes. He'd been there as Youth Academy director. He, he really knew the club. He knew a lot of the players. But he's proven himself uh, to be an excellent coach at, at Strasbourg. And he's got, I think what's what's interesting, he's got three strikers, a joke, Gamero and Diallo all want to play. He's been rotating them. He's been using them intelligently. They're all into double double digits now for the season. That's the first time um, Strasbourg have had three players in, in double digits since they won the title. And that was in 1979. I was four. So it's been a, it's been a long, long, long time coming. <laughs> 
But uh, Strasbourg doing really well. If Strasbourg do get into Europe, I'd be concerned um, about about your waistline um, because <laughs> you were you were te- you were telling me this weekend you got your record for galette saucisse um, during a, a game you covered at Rennes, where you managed to eat eight galette saucisse over over the evening. And I, I'm concerned because in Strasbourg, yeah, it's a lot. In Strasbourg, the sausages are bigger. Um, the, there's the choucroute as well, and you know I'm just. I'm slightly concerned for, 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 for your health, but um, I'll give you a quick chance to, to come back. I mean, maybe you, you don't want to justify that. Uh, you, you're probably quite proud of it. Well, I think I'm in, I'm in, I'm in pretty decent shape, as, as we know, boys, for uh, somebody, of, somebody of my age. I like, like, <laughs> like to look after myself, but I do let myself go at times. And it was uh, the Ren Leicester. It was the Ren Leicester game. And now, if you're not aware of what Gallet Saucisse is, uh, listeners, it's basically a sausage wrapped in a pancake. And um, in the in the Ren press room, that is the that is the food of choice, um, and it's it's brilliant. And I had had hotel breakfast in the morning and said deliberately, I'm not having lunch. I'm going all in on the galette saucisse, and and went all in. Producer Robbie Thompson is, is chiming in, uh, suggesting that the galette saucisse in the press room at Ren that they're, they're quite small. So that but that I, I'm not. You know, I'm not belittling your achievement, but the galette sausages you buy outside Rosen Park are huge. I'm not sure you could you could. Uh, Robbie's saying they're cut up. Okay, this is all this is all very interesting. I, I did listen to last week's pod when I was on a beach in Sicily. It was it was nice, and you were talking about lots of uh, lots of food and cooking stuff. So it's good to get some galette sausages in there. Just to finish though, on on, on Strasbourg, you mentioned that the strikers um, Strasbourg are very much a, a collective. I'll throw out a couple of other names that we haven't talked about that much this season who, who have impressed me. Um, Jean-Ricner Bellegarde, who's been all action, dynamic, impressive in, in, in the midfield, a box-to-box midfielder. And uh, Jozinho Niamsi has been interesting as well. He's been very impressive, a, a centre-back, a player who was on the fringes at Rennes. Julien Stefan obviously knew him well, brought him to, to Strasbourg. Um, Andy, have you got anything you'd like to add about about this fantastic season that, that Strasbourg are, are enjoying, still very much in contention for Europe? Well, I suppose one thing I would say is that um, it, it was great to see them come back against Paris Saint-Germain and get that draw. A few weeks ago, I covered them against Lyon when they were leading 1-0 with about a minute to go and lost, um, conceded the equaliser and dropped two very important points. I mean, they've, they've lost one of the last 13 games. That was last weekend against Lille. Um, they've drawn a lot of games in that time. There's been a few matches where you think, oh, this is them kind of blowing their chance now. They're still there or thereabouts. And I suppose what you're saying about Lyon not wanting to be in the Europa Conference League, I actually think in a way that competition would be great for, for Strasbourg, right? I think if they got into the Europa Conference League, they would have a real go at it. It would be a really, really big thing for the city, for the fans, for the club. Whereas, as you say, with Lyon, there might not be the same level of excitement. So perhaps finishing fifth or sixth, uh, depending on what place goes into the Europa Conference League, that would be ideal for, for Strasbourg. They don't have the, the biggest budget. They are a club who are... Um, uh, working on re- uh, refurbishing the stadium, making the capacity of that bit bigger, which will allow them to generate more money, obviously, in terms of, of, of gate receipts and all the rest of it. And, and I suppose their budget will increase as time goes on. But at the moment, they don't have the, the budget to match the likes of Monaco, Lyon, Marseille, even Rennes and, and, and Nice. So, um, you know, if they can sneak into the Europa Conference League, that will be a huge achievement for them. Well, as far as uh, the race for the Champions League uh, is concerned. Marseille dropping those three points. So it's all got very tight again um, because Rennes uh, were victorious for a second week running. 2-0 victors over Saint-Étienne. And Monaco 
Seven wins in a row now for them. Um, Wissam Ben Yedda scored his 21st of the season as they defeated Angers 2-0. All of that means um, Rennes and Monaco are three points behind Marseille. So you've got Marseille in second on 65. Rennes third on 62 points. Monaco fourth. 62 points and we've got Nice two points behind them we'll talk about Nice uh, a little bit later when we preview the the Coupe de France final um let's just bring in uh, Martin Terrier who I had the opportunity to to speak to a couple of weeks ago he also has 21 league goals this season he's enjoying his best season by quite some distance 25 years of age he's got eight goals in his last eight games now at the weekend it was Lovro Maya who scored both of Wren's goals. The first goal was a brilliant one. Terrier chested it down to Lovromaya. Um, I asked him what it's like to play with this uh, young Croatian who is uh, impressing so many people this season. It's easy, in fact. Lovro has a natural way of playing. He settled in really quickly at Rennes. And you can see, technically, he's an excellent player. So it's a pleasure for us forwards to play with him. Yeah, Ian, I know you're a big fan of uh, of Lovro Maya. Terrier saying that it's 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 easy to play with him. He he is a guy who adds fluidity, doesn't he, to the to the Rennes play. But Rennes have this very fluid way of playing, and I think. You know, Terrier, he, he talked to me about Lovro Maia, but he also talked about Bourdieu, who he, he said was the most underrated player in Ligue 1. Um, and they've been, they've, they've, they've been a joy to watch. And it's perhaps not that surprising that Terrier is, is enjoying his best season yet. Uh, Terrier is almost right because he's probably the most underrated player in, in, in Ligue 1. <laughs> but um, they do really complement each other each other well and you say that that, that Terrier chested the ball down for Maya actually he chested the ball up for him and then Maya also took it on his chest it was it was a, it was a, it was a remarkable sort of remarkable goal and, and then Maya finished and I think that there was one moment that that says a lot about Martin Terrier um he maybe could he maybe he was trying to chest it down for himself and and Maya just sort of cut in front of him and and, and took it off him but there was a moment in that game where a, a cross came in from the right and you think Terrier's got in front of the defender. You think he's going to shoot. He's got 21 goals. Why not a 22nd? But instead, he flicks it behind himself for Seru Girassi, who is actually better placed and is totally unmarked. Girassi misses, but it was... It was a remarkable moment of, of of unselfishness, and maybe the guy's got twenty one goals. I, I I wonder how many he would have had if he wasn't quite as as unselfish. But he's a player that we have been looking at for a long, long time. He was at Lyon. He was at, he was at Strasbourg. He was at Lille, and never really performed brilliantly. He did do well when Bruno Genesio took over at, at Lyon, and now he's yep. working well under Genesio again at Roseanne Park. Yeah, but Ian, I, I I might take a bit of credit for this uh, selfless uh, <laughs> performance from 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 Martin Terry. No, because I think I pissed him off a little bit because I, I wanted to try and ask him about why he's developed into a, a goal scorer this season. And I said, listen, last year you got nine goals and seven assists. This season you've got, I think at the time the interview was eighteen or nineteen goals, and you've only got one assist. And and he he, he cut in. He goes, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. I've got more than that. And I re- it was one assist in Ligue 1. I think he had two or three in Europe and 
maybe a couple in, 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 in the cup as well. And since then, he's been getting assists in Ligue 1. So I'm wondering. And, and, and he said, oh, yeah, I think maybe I should have more assists because I've had, I've had chances to, to set teammates up and stuff. So um, maybe, maybe he's, he's being more, more selfless. One thing people who, uh, who watch Martin Terrier say, it, he's, he's an interesting player. Yes, he's got technique. Yes, he's got speed. Um, but I think what sets him apart or what makes him a top, top level striker is his movement and, and his intelligence. And I, I, I asked him this question um, about you know, what goes on in his head. And I said, in particular, the, at the start of a match, when you go out onto the pitch, what are you thinking? What's your aim like over the next 90 minutes? And this is, this is what he had to say. First of all, in the opening minutes of games, I like to observe my opposite number. I don't try to get on the ball or to show my hand straight away. I look at how he's positioned when the ball's on the other side, for example, and I adapt my movement depending on what I see. I'm someone who thinks a lot. I analyse the matches on television a lot. So when I'm out on the pitch, there's a lot going on in my head. So Andy, um, he clearly is somebody who gives a lot of thought, not just during matches, but before the matches. And it, it was interesting when I asked him about a couple of the goals. Ren have scored some wonderful team goals this season. And I asked him about one or two that he'd, that he'd finished off. And he described them with incredible accuracy. Like he knew about who was moving where, why he moves into that position, and it, it, it's unusual to have a player, you know, not only you know, not only who had that awareness on the pitch, but he's clearly gone back and he's analysed the goal. Like he knew it perfectly, and that you know, and that is obviously something that adds a string to his bow, doesn't it? Well, there are. I think that's. Um, I think footballers are quite split, um, from my understanding of it. Quite a lot of players are very good at remembering exactly exactly what happened when they scored this goal in, in, in that game, you know, X number of years ago and other ones who just can't remember anything, you know. And um, I don't know if that says more about them that they can remember these things, but he does come across as, I mean, you, you know, you've met him, you know better than me, but clearly he comes across as a very intelligent boy and a very intelligent player. Um, interesting talking about him and, and sort of thinking about, you know, how far he can go. The number of goals he scored this season clearly is going to be, um, you know, attracting attention from from other clubs. I mean, I'm, I'm not suggesting that Ren are in a position where they have to sell, except not if they get into the Champions League. But, you know, he's he's a player whose market value will be increasing enormously this season. I imagine that teams in other leagues might be looking at him. And then you sort of ask the question, well, is this a guy who's capable of playing, for example, at international level? And again, it comes back to the same thing I was saying about Moussa Dembele, that the competition is so fierce that, that probably not. But when I think of Martin Terry, I always think about I remember being at the Lyon-Barcelona Champions League game. I think it was in 2019, if you remember when, when they played them in the last 16. And they drew nil-nil at the, at, in Lyon. And I always remember that game, Terrier having a tremendous shot, which came off the underside of the crossbar from about 25 yards out. You know, nearly a, nearly a wonderful goal, uh, which would have potentially given Lyon a win against Barcelona in the Champions League. That's the kind of level that he can hit. You know, he's a, he's a really good player when he's on his game. Um, and we're seeing him really deliver this season. I just, I just, I just wonder how far he can go. Yeah, I was just going to say, guys, that, that the the word that's come up over and over again about Terrier and about this Ren side is intelligence. And I think if you look at the way that Bourigeau, Laborde, Terrier, Guirassi, uh, Maya, 
whoever comes in, really, they're, they're intelligent players. They're team players. I mean, we know that about Gaetan Laborde. We, we, we've seen how well he worked with Andy Delors at Montpellier, for example. Selfless players. They really, it's a cliche, but it's true. They, they, they really work for the team. I, I do just want to add as well that I do put a lot of thought into my uh, pre-match um, arrival at, at Rose on Park. I really tie my run to the press room for the Galatasaray as, as perfectly as I can, and um, and then and then stuff my face with the Galatasaray uh, pretty much in the way that Martin Terry has filled these boots with goals this season. Yeah, no wonder the rest of the Wren press pack are looking are looking a bit slim these days. Like they haven't had their their Galatasaray. I would just say one thing about Martin Terry. I mean. People suggest he struggled um, with the Leon dressing room, which is a hard place um, to impose yourself. I think there's always been talk about clans and, and egos at, at, at Leon, and that's perhaps one of the reasons why they've struggled so much for consistency in recent years. Um, he's at a smaller club now, with all due respect to Ren, and he's uh, he's an important player, and he's got a coach who trusts him. So I think that has all helped. But he's he's clearly a sensitive lad. There was. Uh, an interview that was quite revealing a few months ago on our RMC Sport, where who was it? It was jo- yeah, Jonas Martin, I think, or Bourgeois. I think it was Martin was explaining that when yeah, when he was at Strasbourg with Martin Terrier, um, he had to console him at times because he he was looking at he was on social media a lot, and when things when things were going quite well for him at Strasbourg, he was loving it, looking at all the comments, and then he went through a tough period at Strasbourg where he wasn't scoring, and he was so distraught by all the insults he was getting on social media. Um, and Jonas Martin said he was, you know, in tears and and he had to really help him to to, to lift himself up. Um, and I think as well, being intelligent, well, it's not just being intelligent, is it, being on social media, but being very aware of everything that's being said, of everything that's going around can be a disadvantage. And actually players, sometimes players who are just very sort of tunnel vision, go out there, do their job, find it easier. But... I, I, he struck me as a reserved guy, a little bit shy, but um, but somebody who who you know who's clearly loving loving life. And I think the next month, this summer, is going to be super interesting at Ren. Bourgeau and Traore got a year left on their contract. Um, I said to Terrier, "Now you, you know we need to keep this group together. You need to keep this group together at Ren." And he sort of gave me a wry smile and said, "Yeah, it's not me who decides that." Um, and, you know, and that is also the the fact, the reality of the situation that if if Ren get a thirty million offer for Martin Terrier, they, they they may end up accepting it. But it's 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 a joy to watch. Just before we uh, go into our competition, uh, I think we can say that Lille are out of the European chase now. They were absolutely diabolical um, away to Troyes on Sunday. Um, I commentated that game and I, I said it. Uh, a few times, I think that it just felt a bit like it was the end of an era. We had um, Renato Sanchez and Burak Yilmaz, Yilmaz both getting sent off, two senior figures, and they were throwing toys out of the pram and Trois got three penalties. Brilliant victory for them. Uh, Florian Tadja scored two penalties. Ike Ugbo, the Canadian, uh, scored scored the other one. So well done to Trois, who took a big, uh, a big leap towards securing their top flight status. And uh, yeah, it's going to be I think a summer of uh, of rebuilding at Lille, perhaps without Jocelyn Gorvenek, um, we will we will have to uh, to, to wait. Hang on, Robbie Robbie's chiming in saying it was a shocking red card for Renato Sanchez. Um, Ian or Andy, I don't know. I don't know if you've seen it. For me, it was a hundred percent a red card because Renato Sanchez got booked for complaining 
Oh, sorry, he's Robbie is is saying it was shocking behaviour. Okay, so so he's he's agreeing with me. And so he got booked, and then he started putting his hands in front of his eyes to say the referee needed glasses. And to be honest, it was similar to what Neymar was doing against Marseille when he got booked. And players, when they behave like that, have got to um, yeah, have 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 got to walk. The referee has to to impose himself. Nothing to add. Nobody has anything to add. Okay, so we all agree with that. I thought I thought Robbie was uh, was was questioning it. Check out all the action, by the way, on the official Lee Gun Uber Eats YouTube channel. Time for our Deja Who now. And uh, yes, the moment you've all been waiting for. Who is going to win this Andy Delore Nice jersey? It was a super tough one. This was last week's clue. After making my debut in Ligue 2, I signed for a big French club, but watched from Division 4 with the reserves as the first team lifted the Ligue 1 title. I spent three seasons on loan, including a spell overseas, before taking a gamble on a fairy tale story that paid off. And three years later, I finally played my first league match at 29. My late blooming career even saw me earn an unexpected international call up and continental glory now holds pride of place in my trophy cabinet. My incredible football journey may yet have a happy ending, but it certainly doesn't appear to be this year where things are going from bad to worse. So Andy and Ian, you both stumped by that. I, 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 I was stumped, but I was in, I was in Sicily enjoying pizza, so I wasn't really like focusing on Ligue 1 Uber Eats. Anybody? I, I didn't know either. And even though I knew the answer, when you read the clue out there, I still had to check this player's Wikipedia yeah. page to find out which team was he at when they won the title. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing now. Well, he was he was on the Lille books in 2011. Um, I'll put everybody out of their misery now. Alexandre Ukija, Algerian international, currently struggling at uh, at Metz. Uh, he played for Lille. He played for Strasbourg, and he's been at Metz since 2018. Now we did get some right answers. Our listeners are, are super clever. Um, unfortunately, you didn't win. Jared Fadden, who is a, a huge fan of the podcast, and um, he wants to know which team he should cheer for. If I win this competition, maybe I should become a Nice fan. Well, sorry, Jared, you didn't win. Um, so I suggest you become a Ren fan because they're the team that are that are up and coming and they're, they're super exciting to watch. Okay, that's my suggestion. Kirsty Havill, I'm afraid you didn't win. Um, you were going to give the shirt to your fiancé who turns 30. Happy birthday to your fiancé, but no Andy Delors shirt for you. Dav T was totally stumped, and he says kudos to whoever gets this, uh, this one right. Um, the winner of the Andy Delors Nice shirt is Sean Patrick. Congratulations to Sean, um, who got Alexander Ukija. He also said, great podcast this week. I share my birthday with Per Mertesacker. Um, and Sean thinks Per was better in green than 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 in red, which which is debatable. But it's a debate, probably not for this podcast. Um, so congratulations, Sean. Uh, we'll be in touch with you. Thank you to everybody who emailed uh, League One Podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, time for this week's clue, and we have a Monaco shirt up for grabs. Aurelien Chuamani's Monaco shirt. That could be a collector's item when he wins his fourth Champions League crown for Chelsea in a, in, a, in a few years. <laughs> Um, here we go. And by the way, that's not based on any knowledge. Here we go. Who am I? Born in the Paris region, I first made a name for myself, some might say, playing on a pitch better suited to my stature, before getting a chance to prove myself with the big boys in France's southwest. A move to Spain further enhanced my reputation, 
but failed to bring me silverware. I successively lost the UEFA Super Cup, the Spanish Super Cup, the Copa del Rey final and the Spanish Super Cup again before returning to France where I lost the final of the Coupe de France. My international career has been equally unfulfilling, even if I remain to this day one of the most respected players in the French top flight. If you think you know the answer to Deja Who, email us, league1podcast at gmail.com. I thought that was much easier, Robbie. Uh, Andy and Ian, what do you think? I'm, I'm writing in because I want that shirt. I want that shirt for the, when he wins the Champions League. <laughs> Would that be wrong? Oof. I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think so, but I, it would be a shame if, if, if you won it and deprived one of, our, one of our listeners. Robbie's saying go for it. So go for it. But I suspect your name won't come out of that. Not, I'm not saying it's fixed. It's not fixed. I'm just saying I don't, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> lads, let's look ahead to this weekend. It's not quite time for the Bon Voyage yet. It's time for uh, a little preview of what is a huge game of football coming up on Saturday night. Nantes against Nice, the Coupe de France final. And uh, I haven't been this excited about a Coupe de France final in quite a long time. Um, probably because Paris Saint-Germain aren't in it and Paris Saint-Germain have hugely dominated this competition over the past decade. We've had quite a few emails um, in the last few weeks about the Coupe de France. People asking, you know, how important is this competition? Um, obviously, it's, it's, it's huge. Um, it's, you know, up there with the FA Cup in, in, in England, insofar as the French regard it as a massive, massive competition. I do feel the gloss has come off a little bit in the last 10 years because of Paris Saint-Germain's domination. That's obviously nothing against Paris Saint-Germain, who even rotating their team have managed to, to be absolutely exceptional in, in, in the domestic cups. But when you see what's happened uh, this year, I know Ian and Andy, you guys have been commentating cup matches um, this season. You see the scenes uh, at the Bourgeois, after their semi-final win over over Monaco, I mean, it's 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 absolutely massive for a big football club like Nantes, isn't it? Who have been starved of success in the last twenty years or so. Um, they've got this opportunity, and you know, and it's good. It's obviously great for them, but it's good for the Coupe de France as well, isn't it? Yeah, mate, it is. I was there for the the shootout win against Monaco, and the scenes at the end. I mean, the atmosphere already was tremendous, and and I'll I'll also spare you the fabulous press room food, um, but that's that's for another day, another discussion. But <laughs> the, the the atmosphere was wonderful. Uh, Nantes do possess do possess the very best flag, and which has the very best motto in 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 probably all of football, but it's not one that I can unfortunately repeat on on this show without us getting an explicit warning. Um, and then they win the shootout. The Monaco players are down on the pitch and there is a pitch invasion. I mean, proper old school, 1970s pitch invasion. And I mean by that, that if nobody cared about the Monaco players. They weren't, they weren't going out to, 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 to hurt anybody or to do anything. They were just full of just pure joy. They just wanted to get out there, race across the pitch, hug Nicola Palois, which is, which is no mean, no mean feat. And, um, and just enjoy themselves. And it was just a massive party. And you had the strange sort of situation where the Monaco players, totally dejected, are trying to walk through this sea of people on the pitch who are just totally ignoring them. 
and are absolutely delighted. I mean, Nantes have, Nantes have been a big club. Of course, they've, they've left a big imprint in, in French football in terms of how they play and how football should be played or how, it, how people consider football should be played. Um, but they haven't won anything for a long time. They've been up and down. They've, they flirted with relegation last season. And we have to say what a job Antoine Comboire has done this season. Um, but they haven't won the French Cup since 2000 when they beat Calais in the final, which was a great run by Calais, but not at that time were powerhouses of Ligue 1 football. They were about to win their last Ligue 1 title in 2001 before Lyon took over. And they've, they've, got, they've got a pretty, pretty handy side, but they're going to lose Randall Colomani in the summer, um, which is going to be a, a big blow for them and a big blow for us too in, in, in Ligue 1. But Nantes right now, uh, playing some good football and 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 Comboare, as I said, what a fabulous job he's done. That's it, Ian. You talk about Colomani. I mean, let let's not try to 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 be negative, but if if because Colomani will be leaving because he's he's out of contract and he's going to Frankfurt, isn't he? I, I think it's mismanagement has been a massive problem for Nantes in in recent years, and they've lost a good number of players because they've got to the end of their contract. Um, they've sold badly. They've bought badly. Uh, Valdemir Kita. I think he's been in charge since 2007. When Gorkouf was sacked in 2020, he was the 15th coach in 12 years. Um, so, you know, no coach has managed to to impose himself during that time. And I think that underlines what you say, in about Comboare doing an unbelievable job. They were heading down. Um, it was Dominic, wasn't it? He must have been the 16th coach. They were, they, they were heading down last year. He's turned things around and he manages to forge this this spirit that Nantes seem to have. I, I think, I mean, I, I don't know. I think on paper, Nice have more quality, but I think Nantes are going to win this fight. I think they've got so much momentum. I think Colomwani, Blas, Moses Simon, who got, got two goals at, at the weekend, they're really hard um, strikers to deal with. Um, before we talk about their game at the weekend that, that you commentated, Ian, I just want to bring in Andy a little bit on the more global picture, um, because I know you're a, you're a keen historian of, of 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 French football and I think it's important people kind of un- understand that non it's not just about the eight league titles it's not just about the, the success it's about what Ian alluded to the the jeu à la Nantes it's the fact that they they founded a a playing style that is not dissimilar to Barcelona's tiki-taka and they did it at a period you know way before um way before Barcelona had in, had introduced it we're talking about the 70s and and, and the 80s and then it carried on with uh, uh Jean-Claude Suodo the the legendary coach in the 90s who sort of nurtured Reynold Denuix who, who who took over there was there was a program you can still find it on on YouTube it's very moving uh Canal Plus I think it was called Les Specialistes back in the 2000s um where Reynold Denuix breaks down in tears and he he's written all these notes and he talks about the um the um, the values and the philosophy at Nantes and how the club is losing that and it, it, it's really really moving um, and it's a club that, that that means so much Andy not just to the supporters but to the whole French football scene um, because but, but because they've, they've they've done this and what's fascinating that I'll, I'll stop this monologue soon but the Nantes teams in in the past they've had this incredible collective whereby. It's been interesting. Whenever one of their top players has left and moved to a, a more glamorous club, they've they've failed because outside of that non-collective, they're not as good, and that that makes it even stronger and an even bigger achievement. What what non did in the past? Yeah, absolutely. They they 
were tremendous in the first half in in what was an incredible atmosphere at loss. I mean, oh, just unbelievable. Um, Lecker getting sent off pretty early. Moses Simon, though. Now, this this was interesting because Moses Simon kind of played through the middle with Colo and Marnie in, in, in a two. He's generally been out wide, uh, provided eight assists already this season as the Nigerian international. That's a club record uh, for Nantes in a Ligue 1 season. Um, he'd got four goals before Saturday. By 32 minutes, he was already on to six. He could have had seven, eight, because he was he was just causing Lance all sorts of difficulties. His pace, directness, right, just right through the middle. Uh, it was simple goals flick, flicked on uh, by Marcus Coco, who was great to see him back as well. He's he's playing really well. Had so many injury problems. Was so highly rated at Gangon that did his did his ACL. He's he's but he's he's playing really well right now. Um, and then another another former Nice player actually, Willen Cyprian, had an excellent game as well. I mean, he'll he'll obviously be looking to to shine on on Saturday at the, at the Stade de France. I agree with Andy; it should be a, a tremendous atmosphere. But yeah, Nantes have have faded a little bit. They're they're down in mid table, which is probably where well, we I was going to say we we expected them to be, but not but not really because, like Andy said, they only got they only saved their place last season in Ligue 1 via the playoffs and. You talked about the coaching changes. Comboire was their fourth coach last season. Last season. And he, he joined them in February. I mean, that that's insane. You, you you can't have any consistency. You can't have any success if you've got that. I mean, you're on managerial merry-go-round out in, the, out in the stadium car park and you're just spinning them off every couple of months. Yeah, and I think if they do win the cup, the fans, I don't want to speak on behalf of the non-fans, but I don't think Valdemir Keita is, is all of a sudden... Um, a popular figure at, at the football club. There have been protests about his management, uh, the club president, for for a long time. And I think Comboare, um, a former non-player, it's great as well that he has that, you know, non to pass the, the DNA of that football club. I think he will be getting more plaudits, certainly, than the um, than the club president. But we'll see. They've got a difficult um, opponent, of course, in, in Nice. Andy, you commentated their game against Bordeaux. Um, for the second week running, Nice getting a slender 1-0 win. Um, against Trois last weekend, it was a 90th minute goal from uh, uh, Turam. Uh, this time, it was a 74th minute Andy Delors goal uh, against Bordeaux. So Bordeaux um, looking almost doomed now. Bordeaux and, and Metz cut adrift at the bottom. Andy and Nice looking like they're coming out of their little slump. I mean, the, the results are improving, but I'm not sure the the overall play is improving. Yeah, I think their 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 football is not improving. They are they are a very solid team. I mean, defensively they have the best defensive record in the division, but it has not been uh, entertaining of late. I think it was two wins in seven, yeah, before yesterday, and they, you know they did deserve to win yesterday, but against a really poor Bordeaux team, um, the goal was slightly fortunate. It was a an, a, a mistake by by the Bordeaux player Tom Lacou which gifted the goal to Andy Delors. But I think one statistic that is worth pointing out here is that in the last 13 league games that Nice have played, they have scored eight goals. One of them was a penalty. Um, that is not uh, the form of a team who are likely to qualify for the Champions League. I think at the moment it's looking unlikely that Nice will get there. They might get into the Europa League via the league. Um, but I think in a way their season is largely riding on this cup final, I would say, actually. I think that it's it's um, it might come down to that. They've, they've, as a club, they have not won a major trophy 
Uh, you have to go even further back than that. It was 1997 when they last won the, a trophy in the Coupe de France. So 25 years for them. They are another club with a, with a big backing down there. It's a big city with great potential. We know that. Um, but the, the football has faded quite badly in the last couple of months. They've gone from being a team. I mean, in the early weeks of the season, they'll pick four past Lille, four past Bordeaux. They've gone from, from that kind of uh, form in front of goal to being a team who are quite stayed up front. And um, they have not been entertaining to watch of late. So, so that's concerning. I think also one thing to, to bear in mind about Nice, I think a significant development in the last few days, uh, Jim Ratcliffe, the owner of, of Ineos, um, by all accounts, putting in a, a cash bid of about £4 billion to buy Chelsea. Now, uh, it does sound like that is not going to um, come to fruition because another consortium have been given preferred bidder status and, and it looks like they are in the driving seat to take hold of Chelsea. But it does raise questions about Ratcliffe and uh, Ineos's commitment to Nice because it's worth bearing in mind that if, if he was to buy Chelsea, it's not beyond the realms of possibility it might still happen. Chelsea are a club who are in the Champions League pretty much every season, certainly expect to be. Nice are, are, are gunning for Champions League qualification. UEFA's rules say that you can't be the owner of, of, you know, you can't have two clubs in the Champions League who have the same owner. So, you know, if that were to be the case, then then where would Nice stand in all of that? So it does absolutely, raise some absolutely. questions. I mean, and the timing, before, the, time, the timing Friday, of it, Andy, I mean, Friday, it's, not, it's yeah. not good for Nice, for sure. It's, it's, it's no. And, 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 and I know Christophe Galtier said after the game yesterday that he'd apparently sent a message to, to Jim Ratcliffe to say, congratulations, you know, I'm with you all the way. I hope, I hope that you, this, this comes off. But, I mean, he can't be thinking that seriously. Christophe Galtier was brought to Nice as, as, the, as the league title winner with Lille with the idea of taking this team into the Champions League. We've all thought they're going to you know, they're going to be real contenders to get into the Champions League. And they are just about where we, we thought they might be, right? They are having a good season, despite the fact that the play has tailed off. They're still in the running for European qualification. They might win the Cup. So from that point of view, it could still be a tremendously successful season. But it could still be a tremendously disappointing and underwhelming season because they might, you know, they might not win the Cup and they might at best qualify for the Europa Conference League. And that, you know, that's not where Nice want to be. So... Um, I think that it's going to be a pivotal few days for them, and and not just in the cup final, also the uh, the, the league and trying to qualify for 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 European competition. So, you know, um, I, I've not to, to sum it up, I've not been impressed by Nice uh, on the pitch in the last in the last few weeks, but they are a very very difficult team to score goals against, and and maybe that will make the difference in the cup final. Now, I sometimes have a have a go at Andy for for giving long long winded answers, but I will tell you what, I was sitting on a beach this week with my headphones on and I was listening to Andy's analysis on, on, on PSG and I found it absolutely fascinating. And I, and I thought to myself, I've got to let, I've just got to let Andy run with it. I've got, I've got, you know, he's, he's, he, he talks sense, the boy, he talks sense. So, you know, and, and likewise there, I thought very good, very, very um, precise and uh, good, good analysis on Nice. They, they are only two points off third. So I know they've got Monaco and Ren above them, but it's not, out of the question that they could qualify for the, for the Champions League still, but I totally agree with what you say about about Jim Ratcliffe. I think it, the the timing is is not good, but I guess he had no choice. You know, if he wants to make the bid for Chelsea, it, w- it was this week. I'd just like to know what size of bag is required to carry yeah. a four billion euro or whatever cash bid. I mean, how what, <laughs> that's a large suitcase. You're definitely paying. You're definitely paying excess, excess baggage on that. However, if you can do a four billion cash bid, you can probably afford the excess luggage, can't you? So, <laughs> well, I, you know, don't think I don't think it's just the excess baggage you pay. I'm pretty sure that if you try to bring four billion pounds or euros in cash into from one country into another, that the, the authorities might be 
You might, might also need to go to the gym that, but, um, for about yeah. three years prior to that. Anyway, I think we're getting sidetracked. I was going to say, I was just going to say, Matt, on, on another point, I, I think that Andy was allowed to ramble on last week because I was presenting and, and, and you know, that's... That. Yeah, he obviously felt yeah he felt more comfortable. Didn't feel the pressure of me like staring at him. No, no, I wasn't. No, no, it's because um, I just wanted to say less. That was all. <laughs> you said, Andy, if you could fill fill the podcast. No, it was a good listen, guys. It was good. It's great to have Luke on as well. Um, results we haven't mentioned uh, yet. Brest beating Claremont two nil. Uh, Yusuf Belaili was very impressive. The Algerian in that game setting up two goals. Um, Brest won with 10 men actually Del Castillo uh, was, was, was sent off early so that's a poor result for Clermont Montpellier 2 Metz 2 not looking good for Metz Lorient 1 Reims 2 um, very good result for a, an impressive Reims team a Reims team that has uh, secured its top flight status quite comfortably they're above Montpellier now in, in 12th position um, at the bottom though Metz 25 points Bordeaux second from bottom 27 points there's then a four-point uh, gap up to Saint-Étienne in 18th. And I think Clermont should be should be very worried. Their season has um, really tailed off and losing to 10-man Brest at the weekend should have the alarm bells ringing. I think it could be between Clermont and Saint-Étienne for that 18th place um, playoff against a Ligue 2 side. Um, but let's have a quick look at... Yeah. Go for it, Andy. Sorry, I, I just, just because because I, I covered the Bordeaux games, I just wanted to say a quick word about Bordeaux, just to say they are rubbish, aren't they? They are really, really, really bad. And I, and I think that was confirmation yesterday that they are going down. And that is that in itself is, is terrible, right? They're, you know, I, I guess we'll, we'll probably talk about them when the news is confirmed in more detail. But you know, we know they're a big club with a great history. And to see them in their current predicament is, is, is pretty sad. Yeah, absolutely. And it is absolutely worth... Uh, mentioning that and um, um, we need to talk about Bordeaux as well I think actually listening to last week's pod exactly the same thing happened right at the end of the pod he said Ian can I have a word about Bordeaux because we're, yeah maybe we're not giving them the the, the attention that that they deserve <laughs> but sadly for David Guillaume's side they're not they're not getting the results they need at the moment and um, yeah barring a miracle what are they there well I mean they're four points behind Saint-Étienne so look they need to yeah I, I know, but the, the, the thing is that they, they, they were a team up until yesterday, a team who obviously conceding loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of goals, uh, but scoring quite a lot of goals. And yesterday, um, you know, against the Nice team who don't score many goals, they, they, they nearly kept a clean sheet, nearly, but, but they just they didn't look like scoring a goal. They could have played, could have still been playing now and wouldn't have scored a goal. Um, and, and it's just the whole thing is just is just really quite depressing when it comes to them. So I, I think well, you that, saw the yeah, overall thing, Andy, but really I saw sad. the highlights of that game. And and every time I looked up, it was either Costile or one of the defenders just giving the ball away in their own final third and, and saying, Nice, come on, have a pop. Yeah. And it took a brilliant <laughs> goal line clearance from Gideon Mensah just, well, to, just to deny Casper Dolberg after an improbable, an improbable giving away of possession. And it just happened time and time and time and time and time again. I mean, yeah. they gifted, they gifted Nice the three points as far as I could see. And also, and this is to go on a bit longer than we, they were supposed to, but that is that team has the worst defence. Already conceded more goals than any team uh, in, in the top flight of French football going back 40 years. And you look at the team, you know, the goalkeeper is a guy who's played for the French national team, who's been in the squad many times. The three guys uh, in front of that are, are all January signings, and, and yet they've just not been able to sort out a, a terrible defensive record. 
yeah, and the fans are at war with uh, with the players, and the players are at war with the board, and you know, yeah, it's it's a club in disarray. But we are going on a little bit too long, um, so maybe a bit bit more Bordeaux chat next week. Let's let's have a look at the games this weekend. We're going to go on a on a bon voyage, and I'm not allowing you. Well, it's not that I'm preventing you from going to the Coupe de France final, but I'm not allowing you to choose the Coupe de France final as 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 your match. We're going to stick to Ligue 1 Uber Eats. It's time for a bon voyage. Ian Holliman, where do you want to go? Lille, Monaco, Friday night. Bit of uh, bit of Brest against Strasbourg Saturday, maybe, or Sunday. PSG against Troyes, Lorient, Marseille. Um, what do you fancy? That's a, that's a good question. I, I I think it's got to be Lorient, Marseille. After that performance yesterday from Marseille, I think this there's a crucial there's a crucial thing to point out here is that Rennes don't play this weekend because they're playing Nantes in a derby in Nantes next midweek in a rearranged fixture. So Marseille have an opportunity, or not, against the Lorient side that's still battling uh, against the drop. And the thing is that Marseille then play Rennes at home in the penultimate game of the season. And on the final day of the season, they go away to Strasbourg. So it's a pretty difficult run-in for Marseille. Um, and a win at Lorient is crucial. And if memory serves me right, and I'm sure Robbie will, will keep me correct on this, PSG didn't win at Lorient this season. So that's a big one. It's a really big one. And, and, and also Lorient's, Lorient's a nice place. And I suspect they may have some galettes or seats as well. <laughs> I knew that's what it was all about, really. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Lorient, they, they, they conceded a late equaliser against PSG. PSG were quite lucky to, to get a draw at Lorient. Andy, where do you fancy? <clears throat> well, I think whoever wins the cup when they're at home on the following Wednesday, that'll be worth going to because actually they've both got big games. Nice playing Saint-Étienne and not playing Rennes. Uh, I think if I have to go to a game in Ligue 1 on, on Sunday after the cup final, I think Angers-Bordeaux might be worth uh, going to. Angers is a lovely place, by the way, and it's on the way to Nantes. And um, Angers need the points because they, they're not yet safe from relegation, but that could also be the game that seals Bordeaux's fate. So um, it, it could be a very significant day, so so I fancy that. Okay, sounds good. I can't quite decide. I'm going to go. I want Bordeaux to go down, but I don't want Bordeaux to go down. But you know, it, it, it will nevertheless be a significant yeah. day if 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 and when they do go down. Absolutely, and they could they could go down this this weekend. If uh, well, maybe not this weekend, but after Saint Etienne play on on, on Wednesday, um, they're playing away to Nice. I'm going to go to Lille uh, just to see if they can provide any sort of reaction. I think there are going to be protests. Um, and they're playing the form team, Monaco, uh, seven wins in a row. So Monaco could go, could they go second? They're playing first. Will they go above Marseille on goal difference? They will. So Monaco could be second come Friday night if they win away to Lille. Thank you very much for joining us this week. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Andy Scott. Thank you, Ian Holyman. Um, from me, Matt Spiro, it is time to wish you a great week. We'll be back again next time. All the very best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Lovely finish! Ajax delivery, Gendouzi's header! And the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! He's playing again! Adolberg! Messi again, this time maybe Messi's done it! <laughs>